We are on the top of Yevamos Chav Beis on the Beis 22b1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara will discuss various small topics based off of the Mishnah in this recording. So we'll discuss a few different issues. It's based off the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, The Mishnah says that a brother is a brother with regards to every issue, every matter. And this is coming to include a brother who is also a mamzer. Meaning it's only a brother who's Jewish. If the brother is not Jewish, so then the laws between brothers, they, they do not apply. But as long as the brother is Jewish, so then even if the brother is a mamzer, meaning that your brother is the child of a illicit relationship where it's very with a very severe punishment of kares, of an early death, so then that child becomes a mamzer. So then he's your brother with regards to every matter. Lamai Hilfelsa. So what is that coming to include? We know that our mission is discussing Yibam, but what else is it coming to include? What other issues? So the Gemara answers, Liyorsho Vilatamelo. It's coming to include uh, the fact that they inherit from one another and that there's a concept that the brother is allowed. If the brother is a Kohen, so in general we say that Kohanim are not allowed to go to a cemetery. They're not allowed to be involved in the burial uh, and to become impure, halachically impure. And there are exceptions for immediate family. If for a regular Kohen, they're, they're allowed to become impure if it's with regards to the funeral of an immediate family member. And so here too, we say that even if your brother is a mom's there, a brother is a brother, and uh, you can inherit from him and he can inherit from you. And you're also allowed to, if you're a Kohen, you can become Tamei if you are involved in his funeral. So the Gemara says, Pshita Achavu, why would you think otherwise? He's your brother. What, the fact that he's a mamzer shouldn't impact anything. Why would you think differently? So the Gemara explains as follows, No, Sakadaita Chamina, I would have thought, there is, there are two contradictory psukim, seemingly contradictory psukim verses. One verse says that a kohen is only allowed to contaminate; they're only allowed to become impure for lishe'er for his relative, his closest relative. And we learn out that what does it mean? The closest relative? It's referring to his wife. That a a kohen is allowed to become impure for his wife. But it also says that a husband is not allowed to become impure for his wife. It says that he's not allowed to do so. In one verse, it seems to imply that he is. In another verse, it implies that he cannot. So how do you explain this contradiction? So the Mara says, it depends on the situation. It depends. We're dealing, we're discussing here a case where they're actually married. They're legally, halakhically married. So we're not dealing here with the case of Karis. But the Gemara says that if it's a legal, if it's a, an acceptable marriage, if it's kosher, there are no problems with the marriage halachically, so then you're allowed to become Tameh. However, there are certain marriages which are viewed as halachically legal marriages, but it's still usher, it's still prohibited. For example, a mom's there to marry uh, a Jew, or for a Kohen to marry a divorcee. All of these are cases where if they were to go through the marriage process, it would be viewed as a legal marriage. They require a divorce document. But it's not, it's a not, it's not acceptable, it's a love, it's a negative commandment for them to be married. But it's viewed as a halakhically legal marriage. So in such a case where it's a negative, where they're married, but it's a violation of a negative commandment, 
So in those cases, the Kohen is not allowed to be involved in the funeral process. The Kohen cannot, cannot uh, be involved in the Levaya, in the funeral. And so really, the, the, uh, the Pesukim differentiate whether it's a marriage which is acceptable versus a marriage. It's viewed as a halachic marriage, but it's not acceptable. So the Gemara says, Hachanami. So then maybe, just like by marriage, we should, we should say the same thing over here too. Mitamahula ach kasher If you have a brother who is pasal, he's a mamzer, he's a blemished brother, so then maybe over here too, we should say that you cannot become tameh for a brother. And I assume it means not just to a brother, but any of the immediate relatives. Our mission is discussing a brother, but it would be to any of the immediate relatives. Kamash Malan, then know that there's a difference between your wife and other relatives, other blood relatives. That when it comes to your wife, it's only if you're able to remain married. Uh, are you allowed to become impure and be involved in the funeral? Um, or you're not, you're not allowed to be. Sorry, you're not allowed to be if it's when it comes to, to a wife which is not, which is uh, a halakhically valid marriage, but it violates a negative commandment. When it comes to blood relatives, you are, you are allowed to uh, become impure in the process. So the Gemara asks, but why do why why is this so? Why why do we differentiate between a wife and uh, other blood and, and blood relatives? So the Gemara distinguishes between the two cases. The Gemara says, Hasan lafuke Over there, in the situation of the marriage, the marriage is a prohibition. It's true. It's a legally valid marriage. It's a halakhically legal marriage, but. We're telling them to get divorced. We're telling them to get divorced. It's 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 a prohibition. You have to get divorced. Rash even says it's like quasi like he's not. You're not really married. You are married, but you're not really married because you, you have to get divorced. But when it comes to your brother, your brother's your brother regardless. If your brother's a mamzer, he's still your brother, no matter what. He's your brother, and the same is true with all, with regards to all the blood relatives. You're related, no matter what. And so we differentiate between these two cases: whether or not you have to get divorced, or a blood relative. So if you have to get divorced, so then you, you do not go to the funeral, you do not become impure uh, when when she passes away. Uh, but when it comes to blood relatives, so then that is different because there's no concept of divorce. And so therefore, you should and you could become impure. That is the end of uh, that first discussion. We're going to move on to a new discussion. Uh, and Gemara now quotes from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, They say your brother's your brother unless your brother is from a non-Jewish mother or from a non-Jewish um, maidservant, uh, which is a, a halachic maidservant, which the Gemara Nevamas will discuss in, in later Prakim and later chapters what exactly is this idea. But the Gemara wants to know, why not? What's the reason? My time, uh, and they're not, they're not asking about uh, the child of a non-Jew, that how we know that if the Jew, mother is not Jewish, then the child is not Jewish. That's actually something which we discussed in the past and will also come up on the next on the next daf, on the next page. Uh, but they're asking really about the shifcha, about the maidservant. How do we know that if you, if you have a child from a Jewish father and the mother is a non-Jewish maidservant, how do we know that the child is not Jewish? Based on a verse, the verse says, with regards to the maidservant, that the woman, i.e. the maidservant and her children, shall belong to her master, but it connects the children to the mother. Even if the father, the case is, could be even where the father is Jewish, still we connect the children to the mother. And so therefore that's our proof to say that both of the guards to, if you have a non-Jewish mother, even if the father is Jewish, or it's a non-Jewish 
uh, mother who's the maidservant, uh, and so she's really quasi-Jewish. We'll discuss that later on, but she's quasi-Jewish. Uh, so even in that case, the children are also still not Jewish. The Gemara now continues on to the next case, the second case of the Mishnah. The second case of the Mishnah discusses not the brother, but the child. To say that if there's a child, let's say the, the husband who passed away, the deceased husband, he had a child before marrying his wife. And the child is a mamzer. It was through an illicit relationship, and the child is a mamzer. So then... We do not require Yibam, no matter what, if, as long as the child is Jewish, uh, we do not require Yibam, even if the child is a mamzer, because they had a child. What is this coming to include? As we just mentioned, mamzer is coming to include a mamzer, even if the child is a mamzer. Why? Why is this? That if the child is a mamzer, why is this? My The reason for this is because the Pasuk, the verse says, ben inlo, that he doesn't have a child. If he doesn't have a child, then there's a mitzvah of Yibam. Then there's a mitzvah, if this couple doesn't have a child, if the, if the husband doesn't have a child, so then there's a mitzvah for the deceased husband's brother to do Yibam or Chalitza with his sister-in-law. But the way they say Einlo, they, the way they, they write the letters for Einlo is not just Aleph Nun, but it adds a Yud in there to teach us that it's not just that they don't have a child, but you have to examine, you have to make sure that they don't have a child. If they have a child, if they have some form of a child, even if the child's a mom's there, so then that would be an exemption. And the Gemara later on is going to say, even if the child is just a grandchild, let's say, uh, it's a terrible situation, but let's say the children passed away, but they still have grandchildren. So then even in that case, there would also be an exemption of Yibum. As long as there's some sort of child there, whether it's a mom's or a grandchild, then there's an exemption of Yibum. Okay, now the Gemara continues on with one final discussion uh, for now in this recording. And the Mishnah said, If the child is a mamzer, he's also liable uh, for when he curses his father or when he hits his father. If a person curses or hits their father, uh, uh, then the punishment is death. Again, the, the punishment is only if, you have, if there are two witnesses, and these two witnesses also warn the person, they warn the child. And when, we, we, when we're discussing a child, we, we do not mean a child as a child under the age of 13, uh, we are discussing somebody who's above the age of 13 or above the age of 12 and they're a child with regards to their father, that they that they curse their father. Um, so then if a person curses their father or they hit their father and there are two witnesses who warn the person that if they do this, so then they'll get the death penalty and they still do it, then they get the death penalty. They do get the death penalty. Um, and so the Mishnah is saying that even if the child were to be a mamzer and the mamzer were to curse or hit his father, uh, as, as an adult, meaning above the age of 13. So then he would also get the death penalty. So the Gemara says, the Gemara doesn't understand this on my, why is this so? The Pasuk, the verse says, with regards to cursing, it says, that it's among your people. And we have a drasha. We learn out from this among your people to say, that the prohibition to curse only applies when the person is, is acting as within the conducts of the entire people, of your people. That it's somebody who is following the rules. He's following halacha, the law, the Torah. So then somebody who follows the Torah, so then there's a prohibition uh, to curse their father. If their father is following the ways of the Torah, so then there's a prohibition to curse the father um, or to hit the father. But if they're not following the ways of the Torah, then there is no prohibition. There is no prohibition. So this child is a mamzer. So clearly the father did not follow the way in the ways of the Torah. The father had an illicit relationship. That's how the child became a mamzer to begin with. And so therefore, since the father 
is not following in the ways of the Torah, uh, so then we will say that we're asking why is it that the child, uh, that he's liable for hitting or cursing his father. Uh, he shouldn't be liable because the father is not following the ways of the Torah. So the Mark explains as follows, because says, What it means here is that referring to a case where it's true, he did something wrong, but people could repent. And we're discussing here a situation where uh, the father did tshuva, he repented, and so now he's following the ways of the Torah. Now that he's following the ways of the Torah, you are not allowed to uh, curse or hit the father. The Gemara objects and says, bar tshuva, who is he really? Somebody who could do tshuva? We had this already in Chagiga, Vatanan, Shima Omer, Erva, We discussed that the cases where you cannot fix, it's impossible to fix, is that if you have a child who's a mamzer, if the child is a mamzer, the mamzer is always staring at you in the face saying, This is the sin that you committed. I am the child of that sin in which you committed. It's impossible to do complete tshuva. So we see that you can't do tshuva. So the answer is no. It's true that on some level you cannot fully repent because the the product of your sin is staring you in the face. But still, it doesn't mean that you're not called Maisa Amcha. You're still called somebody who is following in the ways of the Torah. Right now, are you following the ways of the Torah? Yes, you're following the ways of the Torah. So since right now you're following the ways of the Torah, therefore the child would be liable if he were to curse or uh, or hit his father. And that is the conclusion of the Gemara. I just want to mention two points, and then we'll end the recording. One point is that there's a big discussion when we say that uh, a, a, a son, uh, we're not discussing a child, it's really a son who uh, is allowed to curse or hit his father if his father is not following in the ways of the Torah. There's a discussion, does this mean that it's actually permissible? Or does it mean that it's not allowed, but they don't get the punishment of death? There are a number of uh, earlier commentators who say that it's not that it's permissible, it's still a prohibition, but they don't get the uh, punishment of death. They would, they would not get the punishment of death, but it'd still be a prohibition. That is point number one. Point number two is that there's also a discussion with regards to whether there is a mitzvah of kibbut ava'im. Is there a mitzvah to honor one's parents if their parents are wicked? What happens if their parents are, are wicked? They're not following the ways of the Torah. And... And they're wicked. Is there still a a mitzvah to honor one's parents? We're not. This gemara does not discuss uh, honoring one's parents. It's discussing cursing or uh, or hitting one's parents. But is there an obligation to honor one's parents if their parents are wicked? So that is a that is a very big discussion. That is a separate discussion. But that is a very big discussion. Which hopefully at some point uh, we will get to that discussion in one of these recordings. Okay, that concludes today's recording, and we will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.